We just sang Joy to the World, which is what Psalm 98 called us to, to do, right? And what was Psalm 98 about? It wasn't so much about a baby being born in Bethlehem. It was about that same Lord coming again in power and glory to judge the living and the dead. Now, you all said you believed that just a little while ago in the service, right? The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. You believe that, right? But how do we respond to that? (laughs) How do we respond to that? Does it make you a little nervous? Sometimes? You know, when I hear Jesus saying, you know, in the judgment, you're going to give an account for every idle word you spoke. And I'm thinking, wow, this is going to take a while. Really? Yeah? But seriously, it, it is a sobering thing to think that the living and the dead of all of mankind, including you and I, are going to stand before the judgment of the exalted Christ. And we're given, going to give an account for everything that's been done in our whole lives. We're going to give an account. That's... Jesus says, you know those secrets you thought nobody knew about? They're going to be shouted from the housetop someday. That's sobering. And it doesn't surprise me that not only skeptics, but a whole lot of Christians really don't want to hear about that. Too often at least. Okay? So, but we're going to dive in today anyway, even if, even if that's not what we prefer. Because I'm saying to you, as we just sang that psalm and listened to it, it's a call to celebration. It is a call to celebration. Why? What is there to celebrate? Well, I understand. Paul says we go out and persuade people. We, we preach the gospel and persuade people because we know about the terror of the Lord. Okay? Yeah. But you see, there's a whole bunch more to it. And as you read that psalm, I think some of it comes out. It's that finally, finally, I'm going to see once and for all, everything that Jesus died for in me fulfilled. No more sin. You know, you guys, anybody out there that's listening, you can debate 
free will and Calvinism and Arminianism and all that good stuff, but I'm telling you, my hope is not in my free will. My hope, the glorious hope we have to look forward to, is that someday I won't want to sin anymore. That's the day. That's the day when he comes to judge the secrets of men. And it'll be done. It'll be over with. There'll be a lot of things over with. We'll be done with funerals. Death is going to be done. We're going to be done with funerals for people that we don't have a lot of hope for sometimes. That's heartbreaking. I think of the the <clears throat> other Christmas song that I never know quite where to put that, but O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, thou key of David, come. And open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high. And close the path to misery. You think of that? That day will be the last day that anybody ever goes into hell again. No more. Never again. That day will be a day that you and I who believe in Jesus Christ, only because of his grace and mercy in his death, that we will inherit a kingdom that will never end. We will inherit a heavens and earth where it's safe to be righteous. Where Keith won't have a job anymore. Isn't that good? Come on. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So there's a lot to celebrate. And so now let's, let's look at our reading from the epistle of 2 Peter. Chapter 3, and I'm going to begin with verse 1. This is now the second letter that I am writing you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, so that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. Where they're scoffing. Following their own sinful desires. And they will say, Ah, where is the promise of His coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Because they are deliberately overlooking this fact. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and through the water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was flooded with water and perished. By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact. Beloved, one day with the Lord 
is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. As some count slowness. But He is patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, but according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness is at home. We're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness, justice is at home. It's safe to be righteous. This is the Word of God. And I love to hear it. (laughs) And I hope you do too. To the people of God... I say, celebrate. Celebrate your final deliverance from sin. Celebrate your final deliverance from death. Celebrate the final deliverance of this world that still has so much beauty left in it, as broken as it is. The deliverance from bondage that Paul says our earth is in because of our sin. Celebrate. This day of judgment for you is a day of salvation. It is the culmination of the salvation that we receive through Jesus Christ. So celebrate. But Peter also furnishes me with a few words to the skeptic or the doubter. (laughs) He says, the prophets told us that would be, there'd be people that just laugh when God gives a warning. They just laugh. Or they shrug it off. He said, you've heard it from the prophets, you've heard it from the apostles. Well, they're here. Somebody may, may be here today. i got something to say to you. I understand being uncomfortable with the idea of giving an account to Almighty God for your life and your conduct. I understand that. But honestly... 
haven't you experienced the effect of evil and sin in this world? Do you like that? Is that enjoyable? Is it enjoyable to be a child who is abused by your, your father? Don't you wish that would just end forever and ever? Hmm. What are you thinking? You are thinking that there is no hope. There is no hope for justice. There is no hope for change. There is no hope. How can you live like that? When I'd call my mother in her last years of life, say, Mom, how you doing? She'd say, oh, I'm doing okay. (laughs) But she said, I'll tell you what. Growing old is not for sissies. And then she would say, Glenn, how do people who don't believe in God even go on living? How do they exist without hope? How do they do it? And I would ask you, skeptics, wherever you're listening today, how can you do that? You know that you mourn the effects of sin. You know that somewhere in the bottom of your heart you long for justice. You know that the only thing that keeps you a skeptic is fear of accountability before God. It's not some lofty scientific argument It's your unwillingness to face the reality that not only those people who stole from you (laughs) deserve justice, but you do too. And I say, yes, that is a sobering, sobering thing. But you see, you don't have to live there. There is good news that God's putting an end to that. And there is, there is forgiveness from God for any sin. There is hope that He delivers from oppression. There is hope that He will finally put an end to oppression. Why not trust Him? Why not believe Him? There is forgiveness to be found with Him. And it cost Him what we all deserve before the judgment seat of Christ. It cost Him His life His broken body and His shed blood, His life, it cost Him the favor of His Father. There is love and forgiveness with God. 
the hymn that was going through my head today, last night and today, was how great the Father's love for us. How vast, beyond all measure. That He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. That's me. That's me. And you believe Him? That's you. There is hope. You can face the judgment of God clothed in the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want to say something else to us as the people of God, and I guess in some ways this is mostly the sermon. Uh, in, in how we respond to this truth, I think, and I think Peter nails this, He's, he isn't talking to the skeptic when he says, he's talking to the skeptic when he says, look, there's enough justice that's gone down in the world. Flood's a good example of that, okay? That you know it's coming, whether you want to admit it or not, okay? But to the people of God, he says, listen, God isn't slow. I, mean, I, I don't know exactly what that means. I can't put it together, but he, He's not just putting off keeping his promise. He, he said he's coming to judge the earth. And sometimes, especially when we're suffering a little injustice here or there, or a little suffering, or a little grief and mourning, we say, Lord, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And that's understandable. Okay? But Peter has an answer for that. Peter has an answer for that. What is he waiting for? Well, he's not waiting because he's not going to keep his promise. You see, he's waiting because he has a plan that he's not finished implementing yet. What's that plan? What does he say? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Okay, first of all, let's, let's focus on, we're sitting here, we're not, mostly not skeptics, maybe some days a little bit, but mostly not. We, we believe him. He said, he's, he's not slow, but <clears throat> he's just being patient with you. You see, God has picked out a people and given them to his son from all eternity. He has loved you before he even created the heavens and the earth. And he's not willing that a single one of those people that he set his love on should not come to repentance. He loves you that much. 
And if you're sitting here today and, and you're on this fence and you don't know what you believe, you need to figure it out. You're dealing with weighty things. But God is patient. The day of judgment wasn't yesterday. It's coming, <laughs> but it wasn't yesterday. It may or may not be today. But God is patient, and the reason for his patience is his love for those that he's bringing to repentance. And if that sounds like, let's just all crowd together in this little room, all, I don't know how many are here today, 85, 80 people, 70 people. Let's just crowd around and huddle together and wait for the storm to pass. You know, No, no, no. The visions of God bringing that day of judgment and bringing in a new heavens and a new earth that John, the Apostle John gives us, it's, it's a crowd. It's a multitude. He said, there's a, so many people. I saw so many people, I couldn't begin to count them. Sounds like something God said to Abraham, doesn't it? You know, your descendants, go down to the seashore and start counting grains of sand. How do you think that's going to work out? Look up at the stars. Start counting. We, we need glasses to see what God's really doing. We, we're very nearsighted. We see each other, and sometimes that's not pretty. Okay, but, but we, need, we need to see that God has a plan, and it's vast. He said this crowd of people is going to be somebody from every nation, every language, every country, every family on the face of the earth. They're going to be people from that, those, those families in that crowd. They speak every imaginable language. They praise God with a roar that sounds like the ocean in a tremendous storm. It's just overwhelming. God has a big, big plan of salvation. And we think, well, maybe he'll save a few of us. That's pathetic. That is pathetic. It's not true. (laughs) And Peter gives us this insight. We're looking at a whole new heavens and earth. A restructuring of everything and filling it with a humanity that restores the kind of, I know this is a code word, diversity that God created in the first place. It's a beautiful thing. And besides, well, let's face one other quick reality here. Uh, Sometimes, when I'm saying, Lord, how long? You know what I really mean? When are you going to get that guy? Because he's really... <laughs> you got to stop him. Now. I can't take it anymore. And, you know, it's time, Lord, for you to get your enemies, who I happen to not like too much either. Did you forget who you were? 
apart from the grace of God. Hmm? Paul said, while we were still sinners, what did Christ do? While we were still sinners, what did Christ do? He died for us. While we were His enemies, He reconciled us to God. It kind of puts that in perspective a little, doesn't it? Yes, there are people who are enemies of God and there are people who are going to persist in that. Until it's too late. But that's a sad and sobering thing because so was I. So was I. And whether you want to hear it or not, so were you. So were you. So, instead of saying, Lord, how long till you get this guy? Maybe I need to remember that, yes, if that person really is persecuting me for my faith, and not just because I'm an obnoxious fellow, okay, God takes that personally. I'm his child. You, you want to rile up? It's not just mamas out here, but you want to rile up a parent. You pick on their kid. Okay? They don't like that. Well, neither does God. And Paul says, you can, you can afford to pray for people that abuse you. You can afford to feed them when they're hungry. Give them a glass of water when they're thirsty. Bless them when they curse you. You can do that. Because as long as they persist in that evil, that you're, just, you're heaping coals of judgment on their head. And I think, wait a minute, that's not really, when I think about it, that's not really what I want to do. I would like the fairy tale to be true that when you're kind to somebody who's being mean to you, why they, they've changed their mind and they're sorry. They aren't always. But that doesn't make me feel any better because I don't deserve the grace I've received either. And I can understand Jesus praying and Stephen praying, Lord, just don't hold this to their account. They got enough to worry about without what they did to me. You see? It kind of, when you look at this the right way, there's some food for thought into how I respond to this truth. And God says, God says, I take no pleasure. Well, actually, he swears by himself. He says, as I live, says the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn and live. How can I? 
How can I be the recipient of God's grace and mercy to his enemies and take pleasure in the death of anyone else? I can't. And I'm telling you, that I need, I need more of God's mercy to share with the people around me. There's another, and I'm going to quit he, he says something that's always puzzled me, and it still does. I don't have a final answer to this. But he says, since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? What does that mean? I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> How can you, he says, God's obviously not in a hurry, but he's not lagging, okay? But you can hurry the day along. How do you do that? Well, why is God waiting? Why is he waiting? So that enemies can come to repentance. So that sinners can come to repentance. So that the company of his people is full. Obviously, he's not done yet today. Hmm? So what can we do about that? Well, I can't think of anything. We can't set the day. We can't make it come sooner or later. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can carry the pleasure of God into the world and the people around us by assuring them that He takes no pleasure in their destruction. But rather that He would take pleasure in their coming to repentance. This isn't about, let me give you a nifty new evangelism strategy. This is the heart of the matter, that I look at the people around me, people that may be idiots, that may be evil, even evil, And I take no pleasure in the judgment that's coming for them. But my desire for them is that they would come to repentance. How about you? Think about it, would you? I I think that it's worth remembering what we believe about the day of judgment if it gives us a heart 
that's more like the heart of our Savior who loved us and died for us. Amen.